G'day, I'm Barry Green. Thanks for joining me on Conversations on Radio WA 87.6 FM in East Perth and Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of Western Australia. My next guest is an innovator, Terence Dewar. G'day, Terence. G'day, Barry. So, Terence's project is the Australian Biome Project. Tell us all about it. The Australian Biome Project, Barry, is a, um, it's quite a, um, a significant project. Two years ago when we started this project with my team, um, we developed a, a platform where we could allow visitors and tourists to experience uh, Western Australia, all its beauty um, and its culture. And I think um, by allowing people to visit one destination, it gives them an experience of what it is uh, right the way around Western Australia. Part of the, the problem with tourism is its dispersion value where tourists only have a certain amount of days when they visit here but they can't get to uh, outreach areas like uh, the Ningaloo, you know, Margaret River. It becomes quite difficult for dispersion. So by having the one um, place where people can experience this um, is ideal. It actually gives them a bit of a taste of what um, what is around the state. And I think that's so important that people understand the state of Western Australia because it's at the moment unfortunately seen as a hole to dig up minerals and of course there's much more to it than that and the Aboriginal people have sustainably managed this country for tens of thousands of years and we've been in Western Australia less than 200 years and we've done an awful lot of damage in that time. Yes, absolutely. Look, uh, when we started this project we knew, um, and it was quite obvious to us, that uh, the Aboriginal culture um, has been... um, in existence for over 65,000 years and it has a global significance which which I'll go into uh, later but particularly the Aboriginal culture and the Aboriginal people know so much more about the sustainability of the environment and I think a lot of today's issues with climate change people are looking for answers it's really really important that uh, the Australian Biome Project's vision is to include the Aboriginal culture to be able to deliver a sustainability model that uh, you know we can start to explore. It's designed to be an incubator for people to start thinking about how they can best manage the environment. So physically, uh, Terence, what's it going to look like? Well, it's a it's quite uh, it's quite a process of what it actually looked like um, because uh, the design has to be inclusive of of what it means to the Aboriginal people. So particularly what we're lucky uh, that we've been invited by the Perth Airport um, to look at uh, the possibility of the development project there and it's quite a big large footprint that we're looking at. Um, But the development of this project needs to be fully inclusive of not only the environmental aspects but also the Aboriginal culture. Um, So uh, the design process requires us to have a thorough understanding working together with the heritage groups and the local communities um, to understand not only the dream time aspect of how Aboriginal culture connects within the Perth Noongar region, um, but also understand the history and uh, the biota within that region. So that has to blend in with the design to be able to, for the architects to interpret um, the design and start to come up with concepts. Now, we certainly have concepts um, that we have been in development with, and uh, you know some of those include. Uh, the significance of the Aboriginal totems like the turtle, the, the, uh, the wagga or the snake, uh, which is um, symbolic of the Swan River, the Durbal Yerrigan. Um, and those um, 
Aboriginal totems and uh, Dreamtime stories have to be part of the influence of what this design look, looks like. So where did you get this uh, concept from, Terence? Well, the concept came from a lot of different sources. Um, we looked around globally to see how best to showcase the biota regions of Western Australia. And we found the three major ones, which is the tropical, the savannah and the desert. Now, a lot of Western Australia is made up of desert and savannah already, so a lot of it's very similar, but we've also included the marine. So what we ended up with is five biotas, and within the five biotas, we start to look at what is around the world and how how best it's showcased. And we found uh, a project in the UK, we found a project in Canada, we've looked at Singapore, and all of these destinations have uh, a combined biota of you know tropical, um, different types of plants, uh, all combined in one. But what we needed to do was separate it. So when we looked around at the facilities around the world, we found various different structures which had some significance to the local community, uh, local regions, but they weren't definitive enough for us. Uh, we wanted to, to deliver an experience so that people when they go into these buildings they experience the exact temperature control process as well as the biota as well as the culture as well as the full immersion of that region. Well this sounds a fantastic project and it's the sort of thing that governments are forever talking about. Australian governments are very good at talking um, but you have actually brought together private people private businesses from all sorts of different areas. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Well, there's been so much interest um, since we began when we released it back in March. We uh, have had international um, interest from not only on a, a collaborative prospect, but also uh, within the academic space. Um, so we're getting a lot of university interests uh, right the way around WA and across Australia. Um, we, we've got a lot of the uh, Aboriginal groups, um, the different land councils, which are really keen, and individuals that are specialists in those areas. We've also had um, a lot of companies, uh, corporate equity partners from around the world who are very interested in architecture, uh, designers, engineers, um, and there's a, a plethora of different industries that uh, want to interact because we're so multi-platformed. Uh, we, we're inclusive of technology. Our delivery platform is media, but we're actually inclusive of technology. So we're, we, we're showcasing not only the biotas and the environments, but we're showcasing the very, very latest uh, technology platforms to deliver that process. Well, I find that fascinating. In another life, I'm involved in organic or what's increasingly being referred to as regenerative agriculture. And there's a great realisation that the key to that is diversity. And there's also a significant realisation that we've got to learn from the Aboriginal people and the management of the Australian landscape. And that the bottom line is these things have to stack up economically. And uh, the educational aspect of what you're doing is so important because we've sort of got a bit of a disconnect with the big cities of the world where people have just had food and water and energy on tap. The planet can't sustain it if we keep going the way we are and uh, if, if projects such as this can, can educate people to the, the interface between humans and the, the natural environment that's got to be a good thing because the economy can only prosper if we do look after the natural environment. Absolutely Barry, look, a lot of people are saying that this is something quite unique this project but I believe within humanity 
Um, we, we all understand this. We're aware of this. We're aware of the symbiotic relationships between the environment and, and the species that uh, you know, we coexist with. And I think it's understanding, um, it, it might sound a little bit sort of out there, but particularly if people start to understand the environment from a perspective of existence, they can start to model this same process in, in a business sense. So what this project is about is an incubator to make people understand that it doesn't matter what you do, what business you're involved with, where you live and how you live, um, it requires the coexistence of another species, another process and another technology which will help you survive. I'm sure you're right and I guess we have this idea that things sort of change gradually but I think it's more like things change to a point and then you get a tipping action and it sort of happened in 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down and uh, as we're recording this there's horrific fires and rats going on over east and maybe this is what's going to create the, the tipping action to move uh, Australia towards a more sustainable future. Yes, Barry, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm, you know, I'm just the average person. Um, and, and I'd like to I'll refer to myself as, as uh, an everyday person. But I, I, like a lot of other people, um, uh, have concerns about climate change, have concerns about the environment um, and industry and the socioeconomics of how we live. And it, it, it's really important that we are aware of what is happening or what's going to happen for the next generation. Because when you speak to people that are younger, they have a very real concern and uh, they need to look at how they can be motivated or interested in trying to develop a, a, uh, an environment, a society that's going to be sustainable for them. Um, after we're gone, they're on their own. Anthony Bellato is one of the associates of the Australian Biome Project. Anthony is an orchardist from the Hills region of Perth and is with us now. G'day, Anthony. Oh, hi, Barry. How did you get involved in the Australian Biome Project, Anthony? Yeah, look, Terry and I have been friends for a very long time and he started working on this project and we got together and we thought, how could we add some more value to this project? And we thought that... Uh, It'd be good to um, invite the Aboriginal people to come on board and uh, work together because uh, I have a lot of friends that are Aboriginals and I thought, you know, with my experience, that how could that help um, the project? So with a lot of their products that they have in the bush, we could maybe work together and uh, try to make a market for that. Anthony um, has a, a beautiful orchard in the hills and we are now looking at the possibility of development of not only native product, which has been done for many, many years. Um, commercially, um, it, you know, there are lots of native bush foods that you can get in different restaurants, in stores, etc. But what that, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, there's so much more knowledge um, in the bush and... Uh, the, the people that know it best is the people that have been here for 65,000 years, and it's the Aboriginal people. So uh, allowing that process to come together, uh, to become symbiotic, um, each one is helping each other to, to develop not only the, the knowledge of the bush, but also uh, look at how we can work together um, as a society and start to learn um, this knowledge. And we're able to look at everything from you know, health products, pharmaceuticals. Um, they, these are going to open up so many different doors. Um, there's, 
there's amazing stuff that I've, I've even come across in the last six months and uh, I can tell you it's really exciting. It certainly is and it's important as you say we use the term symbiotic relationships that's consistently part of what organic agriculture is about and I think this is important that we have this uh, improved relationship with the Aboriginal people but also there's a room to improve relationship between farmers and eaters generally and so your experience as a farmer and an orchardist Anthony do you want to talk a bit about that and you know the importance of uh, the city population engaging with farmers and appreciate uh, just uh, the challenges that we face yeah well look um, I'll give you a bit of a story on my background my grandfather came out here in 1938 and um, he bought a property up in Pickering Brook now He's taught me everything I know, basically. So it's been a great experience. And I think that we have a lot to learn from the Aboriginals and share that knowledge together. And that way we can grow and go forward and um, everyone be a lot happier. And in terms of uh, the relationship between orchardists and the, and the wider population of eaters, I, heard, I hate the word consumers. Uh, consumers uh, are about commoditization of food and I think commoditization of food's been a bit of a problem uh, food isn't a commodity it's actually the foundation of our civilization and our health and well-being and I think it needs to be held in much higher regard and the people who produce the food um, need to be able to talk to the to the eaters more do you, do you want to ha- make a comment on that yeah a lot of the supermarkets have got a lot to answer for they really are designing the way that the people buy the fruit it's not the way they want it because I run a pick-your-own business as well where people come onto the property and, and buy fruit. And a lot of the varieties that I've got there, they ask me what variety is it and it might be Pink Lady or it might be Rosy Glow or Granny Smith's. Now, when I tell them what the variety is, they can't believe it because of the taste. The taste is there because the sugars are there. It's been picked at the right time. And... Um, at the end of the day they've created this because you know you've got to have everything perfect and it can't have a lump on it and it can't have a mark on it and it's got to be a certain color and it's got to be a certain size and and all this now that's fine but they only do that to their benefit it's not really the best benefit for the consumer because the product's not as good as what it should be really i think that there needs to be a lot more education in in fruit and sampling and all this sort of things I'm sure you're right, and uh, and this is playing on a tourist radio format. I see tourism has a major place to play in that. Uh, we've got an orchard in Donnybrook, and uh, you know we get people down here, and they they talk about and we give us an opportunity to to talk about the fruit and and improves their understanding. Uh, certainly, the the long supply chains of the supermarkets, uh, their business model has been to encourage producers to get bigger and bigger so they can grow them on price. But uh, that is long supply chains are the problem and if we can get back to uh, more variety of outlets, whether it's farmers markets or more grocers that are dealing direct, then uh, again it gets back to creating a stable ecosystem. It seems to me there's two competing ideologies between economies of scale and stability through diversity and uh, economies of scale make sense from an economic point of view. Uh, it also creates increasingly unstable situations and we need lots of orchardists we need lots of farmers smaller farmers maybe but more of them so that if uh, one does go belly up it doesn't matter when you get down to fewer and fewer of, of anything and if one goes belly up you're in the trouble 
Yeah, well, that's right. And um, that that is our problem, that we're starting to lose quite a few farmers here and orchardists. That's not a good thing for our economy because once that happens, you're allowing people from other countries to, to supply product and it puts more pressure on us to become uh, cheaper and cheaper. Unfortunately, because of labour costs, we can't compete with some of these countries. So it needs to really work out which way we're going to head. As an eater, what are your thoughts on that, Terence? It comes back to each and every individual of what they're looking for in the marketplace. And I know the biggest supermarkets are driven by that process. Um, they're driven by the convenience. And, and this is where I think Aboriginal knowledge comes in so well because they, you know, they've always relied on the environment on a seasonal basis. So we've really got to come back to the, the basics of how we survive in, in a society and how we survive with complete empathy within the environment structure and how things go in, in a cycle. Once we start to understand that, um, we will be less concerned with what we can get in the supermarket. And I think that's, that's the long-term uh, process that we need to deliver um, to allow people to make these decisions. I'm sure you're right. So it's, it's a matter of people making decisions on the right information. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And if the Australian Biome Project can contribute to a better understanding of the interface between human beings and this planet, then it's going to be really fantastic for all of us. It's been fantastic talking to you, both Anthony and, uh, and Terence. How can people find out more about the Australian Biome Project? Yeah, you can go straight to the website. We have a Facebook page as well. You can go through to the AustralianBiomeProject.com and see our website. You'll see some videos. You'll see uh, part of our vision and uh, get updated through the uh, Facebook page as well. Fantastic. And, of course, like anything you hear about on Conversations on Tourist Radio, if you go to touristradio.com.au forward slash conversations, You'll be able to listen to and download this conversation and conversation with other interesting West Australians. Been fantastic talking to you both. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Barry. And Terence. Thank you, Barry.